Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. All right, and we're back for another week. Paul, how's your week going, man? It's going good. We get our first night of basketball tonight. Oh, same here. Um, yeah, so 6.30, practice, and none of these got to practice every day this week, but we're going to... We're driving to Tennessee on on uh, Friday morning, so uh, he'll miss one of the practices. I think Friday night. Oh. Well, that's but a lot it's of forty practice. weekend. Like, yeah, it is. Well, they're yeah. gonna need it. Yeah, yeah. So I got my youngest playing basketball too. His first practice is tonight. It's just two days a week, and then a game on Saturday. So yeah, man, way way easier of a schedule than hockey was the last yeah. several years of my life. That now he's not playing hockey, playing basketball. Really looking forward to my winter now. <laughs> yeah. Basketball, is, it's low. There's no equipment. You know, you show up with your shoes and your yeah. shorts and some water and you go to town. Yeah. Yeah. And it's comfortable to be at the games, watching the games. Yes. Um, you know, you're not leaving the cold air outside to go to the cold rink inside as a as a fan just sitting there watching. So, yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to it, man. Um, and it's so, cheaper. Oh yeah, it's easier on the pocketbook and much easier on the schedule, which right. is to me the the most painful part of hockey. Yeah. Hockey, hockey, hockey parents, it's a huge commitment. Uh, good. I mean, my I get some friends that their kids are in hockey, and it's just it's insane. Yeah, the time commitment is outrageous. So, you know, and then some states, if you don't live in Minnesota, like you're you're basically getting on an airplane and traveling for tournaments, which is yeah. blows my mind. I wouldn't do that. But, yeah. you know, in everybody I talk to who lives in a different state that does hockey, they have to. Here, luckily, you don't have to because everybody plays hockey. So you got right. plenty of competition and all that. So, yeah. Yeah, man. Well, uh, daylight savings, wave goodbye. And now it's getting dark at like 5 o'clock here. So I think the, the sun is setting while we're recording. Yeah, you're because uh, you're an hour behind me, right? So I'm at, yeah. I'm at 5.30 here and it's, it's, it's dark. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I like it though. Welcome to winter. Makes me want to go to bed earlier. Well, that's a good thing. When you got all these kids at home, it's like now they're getting tired earlier. It's a lot easier to get them to convince them it's later than it actually is. That's right. Yeah. That is nice. All right, man. Well, hey, um, we haven't done an episode completely dedicated, solely dedicated to using infinite banking as a retirement tool. So yeah, we thought, why don't we just make that you know a complete episode of its own and talk about all the benefits of this as a retirement tool. Most people we work with are roughly you know, our age, plus or sure. minus uh, a few years on either side. So they have plenty of years until retirement for the most part. Let's remind everyone how old you are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, can you say low 40s? I think you have to say mid now. I think mid is more accurate. Like forty-four yeah. to forty-six is mid, and then yes. forty-seven. I'm still upper. technically early forties. Yeah, for well, the next month and a half. <laughs> yeah, not until your mid forties do you really have any wisdom in life. So 
You'll get it's there. True. Especially get as there. a man. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think your brain is finally fully developed at 44 years old as a man. Yeah. We'll see. So, we'll see. Um, but your maturity, you you, you stopped uh, aging and maturity wise, I think about junior year in high school. Yeah, that's probably right. Sounds about right. Yeah. Might have even regressed a little bit. As evidenced by the pre-conversations we had before we hit record. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the topic at hand. So infinite banking as a retirement tool. So most people, um, they when do you get into infinite banking to start taking control of our capital today, right? And get all the benefits of, of specially designed dividend paying whole life insurance today to finance the things of life and do, you know, your your investing and your big purchases, everything else, right? And and the retirement, or let's just call it passive income years. Nelson hated the word retirement, so do we. Yep. Um, your passive income years uh, is is when this creates an entirely new benefit and multiple options. If you have this in place for ret- for passive income years, um, than any other tool out there. In fact, some people call this, you know, refer to this as you know, they kind of market it as a life insurance retirement plan. So right. we don't do the that. LERP. The LERP. Yeah. yeah, the LERP. It's easy I, to say. Yeah, I would have thought of a cooler acronym. But I, I think of that and I, it's similar to like army acronyms, like LERPs. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, is it the ultimate you know, kind of retirement tool, like the process of IBC using dividend paying whole life structured for IBC. Uh, we've we've kind of sporadically talked about how great this product is. You know, the process is the process, but the product of dividend paying whole life is just a phenomenal thing that we all wish once we get into this that we had known about 20 something years ago or that our parents or grandparents had gotten into it um, or how they sold insurance and still didn't know about it. Um, but yeah, it, uh, you know, I read something today where it's, yes, I want to control the capital now, but I also want, I want to control it tomorrow as well. And for the, you know, for the rest of my life, I want to have ultimate control. And that's what this, this process and this product is going to enable us to do as we go into those passive income years. Yeah, absolutely. And in your passive income years, like we've said before, you only need one thing to retire, and that's income, right? And passive income, because you're no longer actively earning an income. So everything you live on is coming to you passively. Now, during those passive income years, there's three types of income you'll receive during those years, right? We, we just like to categorize, categorize it in three buckets. So you have your, your tax-deferred bucket. You're taxable and you're tax free. If you could choose one of those three to keep the majority of your capital, which one would you choose, Paul? The tax free bucket. Tax free sounds good to me. Uh, yes. Do you know what the what what the tax rates are going to be during your passive income years, fifteen, twenty years from now? I have no idea. Do you know what your income bracket is going to be? Likely high. Likely high, right? Um, do you know what the market's going to be doing that year? The during you know that you decide to start taking passive income. I have no idea. Or every year after, yeah. Do you know what kind of return you're going to be getting 
or what kind of return you will have gotten by that point. Right. There's a lot of, it's almost like the future's unknown, Dave. Almost like the future's unknown. Um, you know, do we know what inflation will have done, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so if you got all of your money in a tax deferred bucket, you're kicking the can down the road, as they say. So you're going to pay taxes someday. And, you know, if, if you, when we had our, our buddy Paul Horsley on the, sh on the show a couple episodes ago, he was talking about the, the ear of corn, putting a kernel of corn in one hand and an ear of corn in the other and say, which one would you rather pay taxes on? Right. The seed or the harvest? Right. So the seed for sure. Yeah. And you, you have know, the choice. Yeah, that's right. And unfortunately, Dave, <clears throat> most Americans, you know, have been, you know, between the government and Wall Street have been sold this bill of goods for, for now, for now, several generations, right? Um, where it's, hey, hand your control of your money over here into these things that we created called qualified plans. And some people love these things, right? They think it's like the best thing. I listen to these financial shows on the weekend and, and it's just, it's the same old, and I, I've said this, but it's the same old tired advice, you know, this and that. They do talk about, you know, non-taxable buckets, but it's like an afterthought. Like, oh, and by the way, um, you know, and it's it's the Roth, which you can almost put no money in, folks. Let's face it. If you're doing halfway decent nowadays, you you make too much money to contribute anyway. I hear that all the time, talking to clients. Well, you know, the only tax-free bucket I have is the Roth IRA, but I've already surpassed my ability to fund that. I make too much money. Like that's actually a, a problem now. So, right. and I haven't kept up on on you know whether the backdoor option is still available. I thought I had read somewhere anecdotally that it had gone away with one of the tax changes over the last three years, but I'm not sure. So don't quote me on that. But even still, you're putting you're putting bureaucrats and government agencies, non-elected officials in between you and your money by doing it. That's, That's a good way to visualize it. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you know, you know, you're the quarterback, you're trying to score a touchdown in your way are like, you know, a bunch of dudes that weigh 300 pounds. Well, that's the government. Yeah. The end zone is where your money is. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to get there. You're, I'm 160 pounds. I'm not getting there. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow these dudes can run as fast as I can. Right. Um, so, so yeah, and they limit, right? They limit how much you can put in that in that Roth, for example. Everyone's like, oh, Roth, 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 self-directed, all this stuff. I can only put 6,500 bucks in it. And we talked before we hit record, what am I really able to save with $6,500 a year? Assuming I get the, I get 5% year on year return, 6%. Oh, we're probably going to get 12, you know. Or, yeah. not. Maybe maybe you'll have a, a few hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, I didn't there. do the math, but maybe you know, I mean, forty if years. If you were contributing that for forty years, yeah, maybe you have a few hundred grand. Yeah, but um, which that's better than nothing. At least that is something you can pull from when you need to supplement that taxable income. But yeah, most people have the the qualified retirement plans, which hey, a lot of uh, employers offer a match. And there's an argument to to go up to the match. Uh, I'm not going to get into that argument right now. But there's some employers also that that fund a, a retirement plan, a qualified plan for you, and you don't have to put a dime in yourself. Great. Yes, that's great. Phenomenal, man. Yeah, I think. Sorry, that, that what a tremendous advantage those guys have. Like it makes sense for them to 
I mean, they, they, they something's being done for them, right? Like, yes, this is literally. I hate saying this, but it's it's literally free money to them. Sure. And now they have the ability to say, hey, you know, I've got this advisor that is you know kind of well read, and he's telling me, hey, look at this other asset class. You might want to consider this, and here's why. Yeah. And now they it, can take funds that we as employees had to contribute ourselves. But now since I my employer is doing it for me to the max that I'm allowed by the IRS to put into this thing, the 401k, mm-hmm. now I have all this other capital that I can put into a place that I can get to it. And what a phenomenal, what a phenomenal thing that is. Well, that and a particular you, segment of people. If you've got an advisor who actually brings this to your attention, the fact that, hey, here's a here's an asset where you can put money and get guarantees and and, and it doesn't have any market correlation um, and it's going to grow and you'll be able to access all that growth tax-free for the rest of your life and you'll be able to use it in retirement um, to offset that taxable income or to pull from when you don't want to pull out of a down market, et cetera. Like that's gold. If somebody is telling you that, like they've got your best interest in mind. I'm sorry if you if you quote yourself as a fiduciary. Um, I'm a fiduciary. Love that word like that means something. Um, yeah. Yet I'm not going to tell you anything about, in our opinion, one of the greatest financial tools available. Um, because mainstream advice is that that's a stupid thing to do. It's a stupid place to keep your money. It's a terrible investment. Quote, terrible. Right. Um, then they're not really doing their job. Right. Yeah, or, or they don't know. Yeah, or they're just plain ignorant. So, and that's let's face it, you know, all these fancy acronyms some people have don't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It can mean something, but it it also doesn't mean something most of the time. In my in my experience. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, kind of like, I don't know, a lot of professions. You only know what you've been told. And yeah. you only know what you've been told to learn. Um, it's people who kind of break out of that mold and and are able to to look outside of that lane that they've been stovepiped into, saying, "Hey, you got to stick to just this. Here's your left and right limits." But they they're like, "Well, what's over here? What's beyond that? Oh, look at this. There's more out there." Those are the people that that I would I would trust what they have to say. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and they should be doing those things. You know. Unfortunately, Dave, and, and folks, you can check with your particular advisor. He might be or she might be a captive agent. Right. And that captive agent is not allowed to tell you that you should go do those things, perhaps. Maybe they have something in their contract because they're usually 1099 contractors for these for these firms. Um, so you might want to ask them, oh, don't do that. Put more money in your whatever. Well, there's a reason that they're telling you that. So anyway, it's... Yeah, you know it is what it is, but knowledge is power, and uh, if you anyone can, you know, you said this last week, Dave. I listened to our episode today just to just to listen, but anyone can do IBC. True. Right. Yeah. You don't have to be rich. That's a myth. It's not the rich man's Roth. I've heard that thrown out there before. It's like what? No. Yeah, and I don't even know what defines rich or not. Anyway. Yeah, what does that even mean? Who's to say yeah. what's rich and what's not? Um, if you ask Anthony, Jeff Bezos. Yeah. <laughs> my son's like, yep, that dude's rich. Yep. Look at that boat, dad. I was like, yeah, look at that thing. Yep, for yeah, sure. He's rich. But so the great thing about this is 
uh, compared to the Roth. Roth, you have limitations on your income. It caps you out. You have limitations on how much you can fund every year. Uh, and then that's it, right? And then, uh, but you compare that with with this, with dividend paying whole life insurance, there's no limitations whatsoever. Like your income um, doesn't matter. In fact, the more income you make, the better. Yes. Right? You get rewarded by by the more income. Isn't that a a novel idea? Reward people based on their productivity, their economic productivity. That's the way life insurance works. The more money you make, the more human life value you have, therefore, the more life insurance you can obtain. And there's no yeah. there's no limitations really on how much you can contribute. There's ways, you know, the, the life insurance companies are going to have their guidelines, but there's certainly ways, legal and and uh and ethical ways to to get around those guidelines and fund a, a lot more capital into yep. those. Basically no limit. We, you can right. figure it out to where there's no limit on how much you can put in. You know, you may reach, and and man, if you're doing this, you know, good on you, but you may reach a certain level of death benefit with one particular company where they may say, uh, I know you've got the premium dollars available, but, you know, our exposure to this one life based on the size of the company, whatever, is just, we're not willing to go past whatever, you know, whatever right. amount of money that is. Uh, but- Luckily for us in America here, there's several old, more than several, there's plentiful old mutual uh, life insurance companies that offer products that you can practice IBC with. So, yeah, right. So lots of options and, you know, you can insure your, your spouse, you can insure your kids um, at right. insurable interest. So there's really no limit to how much you can put into this and start creating that tax-free wealth later on in life during those passive income years. Um, so we're not saying this should be the only thing you do. Uh, you know, this is just an addition. I think, you know, one advisor I like to work closely with thinks you should do 20 to 25% of this as your overall portfolio. You know, yeah. So now you have some safe money. You've got some guarantees in place that cover basic necessities at a minimum when you get older that so that no matter what's happening in the market, you've got cash available. You've got- That's right more options. So let's talk about that specifically during those passive income years. How does how does a uh, dividend paying whole life insurance policy function as a volatility buffer? Yeah, well, it's not correlated to what's going on on Wall Street, right? So, you know, lately the market's the last several years the market's been sort of crazy. Like last week the Dow was down and it dipped into the 32,000s and now it's back up to, you know, well over 34,000, right? Uh, just in a matter of few days. So it was kind of, kind of crazy, right? A few, and that's a few percentage points, but we've seen it move 15 or 20% in a short amount of time. Um, so no, no market correlation means that if the market, let's say I'm 60 something years old, I'm in my passive income years and the market takes a dip. Well, maybe I'm not taking that 3% or 4% out of that 401k that I, you know, stuffed a bunch of money into over the years or that, uh, traditional IRA or something. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm taking it via a policy loan from because I listened to that advisor and I paid adequate premium relative to my income and I paid twenty percent of my, you know, income and in premium for thirty or forty years. So, so why yeah, don't you love it as take, a volatility? Yeah, and why would why would you not want to take money out of the market while it's down? 
Is that a serious question? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to break it down. <laughs> we, we may have some first-time listeners who who haven't been around this kind of discussion before. Sure. No, I'm right? just kidding. So there may be, I mean, if you would have asked me that 20, 25 years ago, I probably would have had no idea. Well, I'll say the answer is obvious, right? The market's down. The account value is worth less because your shares that you're holding are worth less. And now you're you're having to take more shares and sell them to get the amount of money that you ultimately would have needed at a different or higher share price prior to the market dipping, right? Um, and that's a that's a terrible you know. And what I wanted to say was that's a terrible position to find yourself in. And a lot of millions of Americans. Every 15 years when the Fed manipulates the market or every 10, whatever it is, you know, um, through bad policy, low interest rates and crappy lending standards and all these other things, people are forced into that. Like, well, mm-hmm. I, I have no other source other than like my little social security or whatever through which to gain, to, to, to glean income from. So yeah. they're between, they're p- between Barack and a hard place. <laughs> But on Ching, so but that it, it comes down to the fact that they don't have any other source of income, so they're forced to take money out of a down market. Which a little thing called sequence of returns risk. If you're taking money, if you're in those passive income years in your 60s and 70s, you're taking money out of a down market. I'm sorry, actuarial science says you don't have enough time left on this earth to make up for that. That's right. You're, you're basically you're kicking the horse while it's down. Yes. And yeah. and you're making it even worse. Yes, absolutely terrible. So, you know, if we're if we're practicing IBC, and we're being an honest baker, and we've done it for a long time, we can. We don't have to worry about that as much. And yeah. what a, you have enough worries when you're dipping into your seventies and eighties and nineties as far as age, right? You've you've you know hell. I was reading an article by Carlos Lara today, just talking about the obesity in this country and you know what what percentage of disposable income people end up spending on medical costs and how gosh it was a high percentage dave of, of bankruptcies are caused um yeah by by people that have unpaid medical bills they just can't they just can't afford right yep um, absolutely and what it, what and he talked about his own experience with uh, what happened to him and and how he was able to dip into his life insurance cash value to to supplement some, you know, cause he wasn't able to work or do much at all, at all for a, a period of time. So, right. Um, that's a real, you know, real experience. Yeah. So you've got that volatility buffer. You're also creating a, what, what some companies may offer and the military o- offers a survivor benefit plan, right? Yeah. Like where you're getting a pension from any company where you get a pension, which may not be too many people these days, but there's a handful. Um, sure. There's probably a survivor benefit plan option, which is you take less money during those years and the company keeps part of your pension to essentially fund a life insurance policy on your behalf that pays your spouse, you know, 50% of your pension after you die. Of course, yeah. you're taking on the risk. You have to die first for that to be a financially good move. Your your spouse has to outlive you by a certain number of years, right? Like there's a lot of you're taking on some risk there. Yeah. In fact, I had this exact conversation via email with uh, one of my newest clients. Uh, he's a retired army colonel and he's a listener. So I'll just, we talked exactly that. He's like, odds are 
you know, looking at looking at it logically, we will die within a few years of each other. Right. And that's and that's true. So you would have given up, I think it's six and a half percent of a military pension for yeah. for years. For what? To to receive fifty percent of his pension, which is fifty percent of what his base pay what was, which years, is like right. a quarter of what he was making active duty. So Correct. she'll receive an eighth of what he was making when he was on active duty. That is, is a, a definitely a very close, that's a fairly accurate swag of what yeah. it actually would come down to. And then it's taxed. And then, yeah, I think not all of them are. Um, but yeah, I think, believe the military one is, right? It's taxable. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, right. Because you're not, yeah, it is. So, yeah. um, so how, you know, is your, assuming you're making 50 grand a year in that pension, that military pension, is your spouse going to be able to live off 25 grand a year after you're gone what's that going to do i mean not much not, not a whole lot no not where i live not where not where you live either no definitely not so yeah so, so that's yeah. just another option that you have um here's here's a big one how about freedom to spend how many retirees does everybody know maybe your parents who are afraid to spend money because they don't want to outlive it right? right so how does this give you the freedom to spend well, again, and and folks, your 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 agent, uh, or you know, we, you know, if, if we're your agent, we can illustrate how you can take, um, you know, guaranteed reliable income off a policy to either supplement what what other things you had going on. If you had a pension, if you had four hundred one ks or IRAs, whatever you had, so you have Social Security. Maybe if it's not insolvent by twenty thirty four. Um, which it will be unless they make some drastic changes to it. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so yeah, you can you can use it. it it's going. It's I guess what I would like to say. It's it's going to be the asset that's going to be there for you. Yeah, it's going to be the one that you can rely on when all this other stuff is just. You don't want to have to think about it, right? It's going to be there. You can always get to your cash value. Your contractual access to that capital is going to be there for you. So. Um, yeah. And and the reason you have freedom to spend it all down while you're alive is that hey, if if you're afraid that you know you're gonna die a long time before your spouse, um, let's say in this case you're gonna die a long time before Tammy, um, it doesn't matter because when you die, she's getting millions of dollars of tax-free income. Boom. That's right. Millions. So does it really matter if you go dip into your TSP like and just just completely obliterate those accounts while you're alive? Doesn't matter. She's going to have right. more than enough after you're gone because, you know, you're the one that spends the money in the family anyway. She can just sell all of your cars. Um, <laughs> That's right. Put the kids right. through college twice by selling all those cars. Yeah. So, so exactly. So not only do I have the living benefits while I'm alive, right, which was the stuff I touched upon, but I can, yeah, I could spend down that 401k. I can ignore well, maybe I wouldn't, but I could ignore secrets of return risk if I really wanted to. If I wanted this widget over here, I could go, yeah, just take the money out of Who cares what the market's doing, right? Because yeah. um, I know I've got that massive income tax-free, um, maybe some estate tax, but there's things you can do. That's a right. different episode. We'd have to bring out an attorney or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, get that massive windfall that uh, replenishes. Maybe we get some loans out. Maybe whatever, um, but yeah, the, I liked how that. I, I can't remember who said that, but yeah, the freedom to spend. 
And guess what? Nobody curses your name after you're gone now because you left you left grandma in a bad situation. And now that your kids got to take care of your wife and and all that, you know, because oh dad didn't plan. And I tell you that I that is that is that is the most common occurrence out there in the wide, wide world right now. And we we see it every day. Like, I, I can't tell you how many people I've known, you know, just secondhand here, you know, friends or other family members where somebody in the family died suddenly. In fact, I had a client whose uncle just passed away. Yeah. Um, 60 years old. So not not old. Kids are, you know, out of the house, I think, you know, in their mid-20s, late or early 30s. But still, um, you know, had dad left a million bucks, obviously, we're still going to be devastated because dad's gone. But oh my goodness, like we were able to pay for the funeral, we were able to settle some, some whatever, you know, just whatever. Right. But, um, but that's never the case. I haven't, so never the case. Just put it this way. Nobody's going to be creating a GoFundMe page for your family when you're gone. Right. Right. That's right. I've seen that too with the Hawaii. I see, I see it all the time. Let's, let's put GoFundMe out of business, you know, taking care of everybody after the breadwinner dies unexpectedly or you know whatever and and leaves nothing but debt uh worst case or or you know or just you know no assets remaining so that's right yeah gofundme is not a is not a not a that's not a plan that's not a plan it's almost like buy term and invest the difference it's not a plan yeah it's it's a it's a slogan um Mm -hmm. but folks it's you get enough enough risk in your life and uh, that strategy for sure, or that slogan for sure, doesn't help you. Yeah. Um, so be careful what advice you're listening to out there. Yeah. Just you like know who I'm new, talking about. On a new car, you're not going to get collision and invest the difference of what it costs to, to get full coverage. Right? Nobody in their right mind would do that with a brand new car. Right. Unless you do it with your so, life. Unless you're Jeff Bezos rich. <laughs> yeah. Who cares? No. Yeah. Well, then you're just car? getting liability. Maybe. Yeah, once the once the new car smell wears off, you just get a new one. Because man, a that's one. a good smell. That's it is. Smell. <laughs> it is a good smell. It's yeah, still it in our new car. It's still you still got it. It's it's nice. I wonder how long it lasts when you don't have kids. I bet that Longer. new smell lasts for twenty thousand miles easy. Yep. With Longer, kids, it's like sure. three thousand miles. That new smell yes. is gone. That's right. Yeah. Um. Oh. Here's here's one. How am I going to fund this in retirement? I don't want to get into this conversation because there's a lot of ways to fund this. I'm just going to tell everybody, go listen to episode 32. Perfect. Um, from uh, what September 19, 2022. Oh, wow. Uh, how, how can I continue funding my premiums when I retire? That episode will spell that out and you will have zero worries about funding your premium in retirement. Right. That's the big assumption, right? Hey, if I stop working, I have no money. Like, How do I continue to pay this premium? That's illustrated age 95 or age 100 or age 75 maybe in some cases right um there's well imagine this imagine you've had this policy in place for 20 or 30 years and uh you stop working and you have somewhere where you could put in a dollar and get five dollars back do you think you'd come up with a dollar to put in there or maybe ten thousand or twenty thousand dollars yes i think you will yeah yes so yep there you go Yep. Talk to your agents. There's non-forfeiture options and there's there's other options. There's premium offset, which I think is, if you're in a pinch, the best option. Yeah, sure. Use that dividend. 
that tax free dividend. I don't think I used to like RPU, but I don't like that anymore. I think premium offsets the way to go. Yeah, sure. Well, and that's a whole other conversation too. But um, yep. so that's that's what this asset can do for you in retirement. So if you did nothing else, if you just thought about this as, hey, just another piece of my retirement portfolio, my passive income portfolio for later on in life when I'm done working for the man or I'm done working my own business or I'm done flying, whatever that may be, um, this this can only improve what you're already doing is really what it comes down to. Yep. Nope. Yep. I think the best way I've heard it is uh, like that. It's going to enhance whatever else you had going on anyway, um, regardless of what that ignorant Uncle Bob tells you. Yeah. Oh, this Uncle is Bob. a good place to good place to store capital. The best place. Yeah. And in the meantime, you can use it for emergencies and opportunities up until you decide to quit working. Well, so you're happens. not locked out of it. What's that? What I can't I can't get a 401k loan? No, I've got I, I was just talking to uh we got a client who is going through the mortgage process. He and his wife both work, make really good money, have no debt, and uh oh, trying to get a HELOC, I believe it is. Oh, I thought you were talking about me and Tammy. No. Yeah, well, but you already have a HELOC. He's trying to get a HELOC just to have it for emergencies. Like, hey, sure. just in case. Just to have access right. to capital. He doesn't Why need not? it. He doesn't need it. He doesn't He's plan to use it. He's the perfect guy to lend to. He's the perfect guy to lend to. Good incomes, dual income, really good money, no debt. Just wants to access the 200 grand of equity he has in his home. Mm. And it's taken forever. And they keep yep. coming back for more and more and more Ugh. information. It's it, it just proved the point. He he sent me a message. It was like, this just proves why I need to become my own banker even more so. I love it. Yeah, what is that too. worth? This, right. The control, the liquidity. Home equity, folks, belongs where you can get it. Like everyone thinks these HELOCs are great. Yeah, they're great if you can get one. But um, I, oh, my goodness. Like I said, I... I keep going back to it. Maybe I'll pay off the house and practice IBC in, in, in its purest form. But I think, Dave, I don't know. I'm going to just keep refinancing that thing and pulling the cash out of it and putting it in policies. But yeah. What's the value of a dollar you can't access? Yeah, that's right. Zero. A dollar you can't spend. What's the value? There that's you right. go. All right, man. Well, I think, uh, I think we got through about as much as we could on that topic. Um, Plenty more if you guys want resources or something or you got more questions about that, reach out, schedule time with us. Happy to talk. Send us questions. Um, you know, maybe we should review some questions on the YouTube channel or something next episode. Um, we've got, uh, I think, was it, J was it JJ? Uh, we, we've got somebody listening and I don't know if he's a practitioner or an agent or not, but he's, he might have made comments almost in every single episode by now. And we, yeah. I just want to say they're when, good. They're good comments and we appreciate it for sure. Yep. I, and, I love uh, it when people listen. So why don't we end with this? We got one from uh one of our recent ratings on on the uh Apple podcast from uh Clyde04, the Pearl of IBC Podcasts. Said this is a gem of a podcast on IBC. Often IBC proponents make it sound very gimmicky and a bit snake oilish. Paul and Dave break it down simply and dispel many myths and confusions about IBC. Great job, guys. Thanks, Clyde. Hmm. I know who that it, is. Do you? Yeah. I yeah, don't. actually. Okay. Just, start, just started listening. 
Just cool. started listening. Yeah. Well, good. So. Keep listening and uh, send us any questions you got. We'll be happy to answer. So yeah, that's right. All right, everybody. Well, hey, until next time, control your capital. Or somebody else will. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to David and Paul at the IBCguys.com. And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.